This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host. Joining me for the first show since the 22-23 season, Mr. Phil Shaw, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Are you all in for this content for content's sake? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is the downtime period, isn't it? Let's talk about Phil Shaw's B problem. Let's let's oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the B problem. Thinking of starting a GoFundMe or something to clean my attic out. Phil Shaw's got a, about a thousand bees in his uh, attic that have oh. set up set up for the summer. I think, but I think they have. I'm sure if you pop your head up there, there'll be a nice shelf with loads <laughs> of jar, jars of honey arranged neatly for you to uh, take your pick. Yeah. You, have you have you been up there yet? No, because as soon as I opened it up, it was just like I was getting dive bombed from everywhere, so I just shut the attic again. But you can't exterminate them because bees are our friends. So what what have you done? Not my friends. Well, no, they are. They're the friends, friends of humanity, Phil. Friends of humanity. I know yes. you're anti-humanity, Phil Short. Yeah. So what have you done to address this bee issue? A beekeeper has been out and removed some of them, and then... They got the queen, because they'll be selling that, won't they, on yeah, eBay? they've got the queen, so it's gone. But the I think there's a few thousand remaining just sort of flying about lost now, looking for their queen, and getting probably getting angry in the attic. So do you have to pay these people, or do they kind of take the queen bee and then sell them on and make some on the side? No, the the, the beekeepers come out and take the, take the queen, and they don't charge for that. It's a free service, because like you said, they're going to sell it on. But the, the, the clean-up people, when they come out, they're just going, could you not just left it, and we could have got everything in one go. So... Yeah. Here, what do you do? Fascinating. It sounds like uh hmm, wh- whoever came in after Sherwood. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Villa. a job for Remy Guard. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Remy Guard and Remy Guard was like, oh shit, I'm not trained for this this cleanup job. No, I need I need I need Unai's sort of cleanup squad. That's what I need. Yeah, well he he's got a proper squad. It's like when you send in there's teams of professional cleaners, aren't they, after a murder or a, a homicide, they send in these cleaners to clean up the scene of the crime. That's a bit a bit like what uh, Emery had to do after <laughs> Gerard. <laughs> 
Right, coming up in the show, we will go through the latest Villa news. There is actually some. The three points. We'll talk about the European picture, uh, as well as uh, the dregs of the transfer situation, but also a bit of clarity on, and people seem to forget, the cycle of transfers and the fact that managers and players and everybody's kind of on holiday now this is the time uh, the no man's land where everybody agrees a ceasefire and they all go off on holiday to spend their vast wads of cash and a lot of these players even if they're about to be free agents are all contracted to june the 30th but uh, we'll we'll get on to that uh, later on because there's a few things connected to that in terms of pre-season which uh, raised our eyebrows Uh, and we'll end as usual with a bit of media muppetry and obviously that has been repercussions in terms of the European places with the Spanish and German leagues and Italian, Italian leagues, leagues all finishing a week later, you know, whether it's cup finals or whatever, that do impact on the, the Villa Europe situation. Right, time for some news, I think. Shall we talk about Apple's uh, $3,500 mixed reality headset? The ski goggles. <laughs> I thought, is it like, is it Oculus, the the Facebook? Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought that was like the whole idea of this metaverse through goggles. It's, well, actually, uh, artificial intelligence is is a lot more exciting, and that's going to be the front runner in terms of the evolution of technology. I don't know if this uh, is a bit of a drop catch. This is something they put in production and they greenlit it and they got it going, and it's already out of date before it's launched uh, this is the apple reality headset we shall see anyway let's talk about uh, mixed reality let's have some villa news instead right ashley young has left the club well in technically not until june 30th when his contract uh, runs out emery had said as a couple of weeks ago that they will sit down and talk about it do you think they had that conversation before that final game because a he didn't see any action b there was a bit of a family group shot in front of the halt wasn't there you would have noticed he he kind of waved the photographer to kind of sort Mm. it out so when i saw that i thought yeah this feels like that's it. Another thing that people don't talk about, it's, it's the weird one. There's some distractors uh, online saying, oh, the club have dropped a bollock here. They should have kept him. You know, what are they doing? This is a disgrace. He's a legend, blah, blah, blah. People forget that he's, next season, he's, he will start next season 38 years old. Now, if you're looking to attack the top six, 38-year-old fullbacks aren't normally in the recipe for success, especially when normally the fastest and nippiest players are normally wingers, so you're playing against them. Or indeed fullbacks. <laughs> yeah, so Ashley Young, uh, a lot of people were waving him goodbye after his first season, and I think I remember writing and saying, look, that's just because he's off, you know, he's on the re- release list doesn't mean he's off, it just means uh, what he's contracted to be. And, uh, you know, I had a feeling that it would come back and to be fair, I mean, it's been a massive, yeah. massive surprise how uh, what a year he had. I mean, he, it was far better than his first season, and you know, first I mean, at, season at one was point fine. When we were at one point when we were looking a bit pony. He was sort of in the running for player of the year. Yeah, 
he was very, very good. And he, I think he was the calming influence. I mean, I think a lot would have probably kept him around. But the fact that he has gone would suggest to me that they are actually upgrading the position and they don't feel like Young's the future, which, of course, a 38-year-old is never going to be. They may be not sure about cash. So I, I, if anything, I'd look at it not necessarily disappointedly. I'd be excited going, oh, wow, Young's done really well. We've had Matty Cash, but they clearly feel that the right-hand side is a weak point because I think they'll upgrade in both positions, as we've said, right winger and a right fullback. Because you could say, uh, oh yeah, he's you know he's yeah he might have another year in him. Let's let's just sign him up as backup to Cash. That would suggest if 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 that was the news, I would be like, oh, so you're not upgrading because actually Young once he made that once he was back in the team uh, when he came on as a sub against Manchester City, and uh, that was like uh, an inspirational performance that was a sign of things to come. He actually in those weeks was I saw him as our first choice right back he was for long periods of the season i would say yeah yep. so in that so that is the point where if, if he was just signed as backup because you're thinking well cash you know he's still the young player and uh, then you think okay but then you're also thinking well that side needs sorting out because the left hand side's pretty good with uh, alex moreno but we really need uh, to sort this right side out to be a complete team so yeah, as Chris says, think of it as a as a positive. Further friendlies announced at Warsaw, the obligatory Warsaw game to kickstart the uh, the preseason before uh, Villa go off for their summer camp in America. And uh, as I as I reported, Christian Perslow in a fan consultation meeting uh, did say that Villa were going to play a big European friendly after the American tour. Uh, he also at that time told the communications team to get the news out quick if they could. Obviously, there's been because com- this is you know this is way back like four weeks ago I'd say. So obviously, there's been complications there. You, you think because of the rebranding job Villa have to do with a new badge, uh, which is obviously going to go everywhere in terms of the stadium. They're going to do the whole thing, you would hope. Also, the fitting of the the terrace, the soft hospitality and the whole tent. That normally when you're doing things on your ground, you're always trying to get that out your first game away from home. So they may have even lobbied for their first game to be away from home. Just even with buy. the course, the, the pitch as well, of course, with two concerts yeah. and quad bikes and stuff. So you're buying time. So that's why there was this idea that, that they would be playing an away game in Europe instead of the traditional fairly big European name at Villa Park as a curtain raiser to the season. Obviously, there's been some complications. I mean, I I haven't uh, asked any questions. And Lazio are now coming over here and Lazio are going to the pound lunch is uh, a sentence that uh, you probably wouldn't (laughs) thought you would have heard. Riverdirchi Bescott. But no, it's good competition. But it's a bit bit of a weird one though, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's obscure to say the least. Yeah, did did the players get up for that? Hmm. I don't know. For for me, it's like I was looking, I was thinking about this in terms of the com- the Europe Europa Conference League, and I'm thinking this is kind of like killing two birds with one stone. So you get to play like a proper European team. I think they're are they second in uh, Syria. Yeah. <laughs> so you're playing like a top European team. So that's good. You know, gets you ready for like UVs and uh, the like. But also you're playing in like something that resembles like uh i don't know uh no disrespect to uh like a i don't know a stadium in uh, albania or uh eastern europe somewhere eastern europe uh that's like a smaller ground so you know that's you're getting two europa experiences in one by going to pound yeah of course lazio finished second in syria so it's good yeah, they're a good side 
Ramsey, player of the month for me. I think he had an explosive end to the season, didn't he? I mean, that Brighton yes. game, he was... Uh, and Liverpool, of course, he had a great game at Liverpool. Yeah, those two games, he was on nuclear energy almost. He was mm. uh, very, very scored inspired. against Tottenham, so he, yeah, he got in the mix, didn't he, in all those games. Meanwhile, Kenza Dali, probably the glue that makes the Villa women's team function, or more of a cog, shall we say, has extended her uh, contract until uh, 2025. Definitely one of the best players in that team. Meanwhile, the England trio of Rachel Daly, Jordan Nobbs and Hannah Hampton will be off to uh, the Women's World Cup down under. They still haven't sorted out the European uh, screening rights for that, have they? That, but uh, that should be resolved. Money always, what's the word? Smooths over. <laughs> Yeah. smooths over any problems greases the wheels greases the wheels that's the one right three points Linda Bedford has been hired as Brentford's under 18 men's head coach this is significant because she's the first female coach to head a men's Premier League side at any level do you remember the manageress that TV programme on Channel 4 years ago was it before your time am I showing my age Maybe. I wouldn't want to say that Dave Sherry is it Sherry Long I can't remember the act but no that was like it was way ahead of its time it still hasn't really happened this is the first uh, as, as I said the first time a female coach is heading a, a Premier League side at any any level so there's a bit of progress there point number two we're still refreshing this to see if it's actually real on the website of Burnley but apparently Burnley have reported back for pre-season training already June the 5th Vincent Company's men they've arrived back I mean you know a few of them are obviously on international duty and they've started already like a month ahead of everyone else probably if not more what's the reasoning behind this my uh, prognosis is vincent company being an ex-manchester city man he knows how it all works at manchester city he's also he's not having it he's not having the situation where manchester city win everything so he's going to do something about it so they're checking in on june the 5th to get ready to be battle-hardened to have a pop at stopping manchester city winning every tournament this season uh, next season it's a weird one isn't it because you're not even going to be playing matches. What are you going to do for a month? Just do fitness work. Yeah, because the idea of having a break yeah. is to uh, recharge. I mean, they've just, you know, they've had a long campaign to win the, the championship. So, I mean, I suppose they've almost had the best part of a month off already, though, because, of course, they've, they'd won the league and the, the, the championship finishes quite early. But it's still strange, you know, because even like in a, for a championship team, they'd still be coming back very early. Phil? Fucking geeks, aren't they? Yeah. Try hard. Exactly. Geeks. Turning up like six weeks early for a pre-season. When you can't even play games. Yeah, tragic. Point number three. Father has donated his hamstring. Is this uh, Coutinho? To save his son's <laughs> football career. Are you sure it's not Philip Coutinho? He's given him a tendon from his own ham- hamstring in a groundbreaking surgery. Andy Millbank made the donation for teenager Matthew. So the idea is this pioneering surgery is to use a, a stronger tendon from a parent to create a graft instead of one of his own. The success of this new procedure will benefit thousands of youngsters who would otherwise need repeat operations. Who's somebody who keeps getting hamstring injuries all the time? Luca Dean? No, he just needs metal bits on him. He's, he's everything. His Bailey. Shoulders and Bailey. 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 Yeah, yeah we need yeah. we need to get Bailey's stepdad out of his shed and uh, <laughs> graft graft one of his tendons onto his <laughs> hamstring. Well, he's been grafted in his shed anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
the the young footballer was top scorer for Gillingham's under-14s team before his torn ligament put him out for the rest of the season. He needed the same operation that Paul Gascoigne uh, had when he famously tore his in the uh, it was a cup final, wasn't it? Spurs yeah. versus, was it Forest? It was. And look what happened to Gascoigne after that. It was He was never the same. Yeah. But yeah, Bailey, we need to track down his stepdad, get him out of his shed and uh, get him on the operating table before next season. So, and mm. then we'll get at least 30 games out of Bailey. I wonder if what Rob Nelson's sort of relations do. Has any of them got really strong like wrist tendons that they can sort of like give him, <laughs> give him strong wrists? <laughs> Uh, this is this could be uh, the advancement of science, how it's going to impact in football. We'll, we'll be having like Frankenstein players made out of generations of family. <laughs> Before we go on, I just want to say a big thank you to the My Old Man Said members, as always, for supporting the show and allowing it to grow and also the website. And we will be going bigger and better in the new season ahead to be in sync with uh, a new improved Aston Villa team. So uh, every member seriously helps that big time. So thank you for your continued uh, support. And thank you very much to Connor McDougall for signing up in the last couple of days. And also Steve Parker for uh, extending their pledge to an annual membership. If you sign up as an annual member, you get 10% off. There's a couple of uh, extra benefits coming in uh, soon when uh, I revamp it. So uh, to go on top of the uh, access to ad-free podcasts, also extra shows and most of all access to Match Club are 24-7 in a sanctum community. If you want to get away from all the geeks and uh, any toxicity on social media, then the My Old Man Said community is an outstanding bunch of people. So please do go to myoldmansaid.com, click on the membership link there to get more details and to join us. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, European picture. Are we all in on this Euro Conference League? Are we all in? Are we balls deep in this? I think you've got to be now. Now we're, now, we're, now we're in there, let's just, yeah. We'll put it this way, Manchester City aren't in it. Hurrah! <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I don't even. I mean, we could probably take the other teams. Manchester City, though, you know, they're going to pretty much win everything. So this is Villa's best bet of winning silverware for a very long time. I mean, do you want to put up an argument against that, or am I on the right? No, path? I'm not. I'm not going to disagree. 
No, and it's probably the easiest way to get into the Champions League. If you win this, then win the Europa League. Well, yeah, that's a long-term project. <laughs> but if you win it, obviously you get in the Europa League next season. But the main thing is to actually win something. And uh, it's up for grabs because of the big, I mean, we say big, but the, the main leagues, the European leagues, Italy, Germany, Spain, England, you only get one team out of those leagues. And the rest, I mean, you got two from the Netherlands, a couple from, you know, Switzerland, but, you know, Basel's probably as good as you're going to get there, a couple from Turkey, but you're not talking about four teams from Spain, four teams from Germany, four teams from Italy, and more importantly, three other teams from the Premier League. So it's as good as it gets. And at the moment, you're looking at the main threats. Now, we don't know for sure if Juventus are going to be allowed to play in this, but they have qualified. They've got deducted 10 points, as we mentioned on the last show. They would be uh, the number one seeds in all of this, because if they didn't get deducted those points, they would have been in the Champions League. So while they are the main threat and the favourite, I don't mind them being there because they're the last team that knocked the beaters in the the European Cup Champions League. I mean, we got some kind of revenge against them uh, in the Peace Cup, but I'm all up for playing Juventus. I'll take them in the final. I'll take them in the playoff round. I'll take them any any which way. And you never quite know with a team like that how seriously they're going to take it because for a team like that who expected to be playing Champions League comfortably, this is an inconvenience. Exactly. Then what have you got? You've got Antrak Frankfurt who were in the Europa League and beat Rangers last season. And Champions League, of course, this year. Oh yeah, and Champions League this season. Bruges have been in and around the. So that might Champions be the same same for them, but I think they would probably give it a bit more than Juventus, maybe. Then for Spain, you've got probably Asasuna, probably one of the weakest Spanish teams you could expect to have. They're in the unseeded part and probably will end up unseeded as well. Yeah. And then in France, uh, you've got Lille, who you know they've had their day in the sun in Europe recently and in, in the French league, but you know they're not right at it or else they wouldn't be uh, in this tournament and then you look and you think well you've got the, the winner of the Turkish Cup which is Besak Sahir or Fenerbahce Fenerbahce of course traditionally are in, in and around the Champions League places from the main main traditional threats it's like it's not all that it's it's Juve but then when you look at how the playoff round I mean there's going to be three rounds of qualifiers so there's loads that more sorts teams out that are going to go the, in the mix you know the Gibraltar Gibraltar League and uh, all that kind of shite no disrespect well, I have to say that it's almost like uh, something you have to say no disrespect but complete disrespect <laughs> 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 because Gibraltar Ultimate League or whatever it's called is, is not really cutting much mustard so it only gets really serious when you get to the playoff round but when you look at the playoff round it's, it's no Mickey Mouse competition because it's it's pretty tough and will Villa get through that well at the moment they're unseeded I mean there's a few things like I'm not going to bore you with it here but you know Denmark playoffs Turkish Cup games those are the two main ones aren't they if, if, you, get, yeah. if you get two results go your way there you, you're pretty much guaranteed to be seeded before there's any other qualifying rounds and then you fancy chances to and then in the qualifying rounds there's a chance that some uh, of the seeded teams might drop out and then Villa only need one of these teams to uh, flunk it and then we get uh, seeded. Which is does it having. make a difference? Probably does actually because there are some, you don't really want to be playing Club Bruges, you don't want to be playing Basel, you don't want to fancy chances against Panathinaikos or Ghent or Dynamo Kiev or Fenerbahce or you know, Vent- Juventus. <laughs> or, you know, it would be pretty tough if you're unseeded. Ooh, I'm just looking down the list. I don't think there's, there isn't an easy game and you would expect Europa Conference League third tier, you'd expect a an easy game but this could as easily be the Europa League really couldn't it 
Yeah. Yep. Uh, and also, yeah, you'll be coming up a lot of sides in there who, even though they'll be lesser in terms of stature, there'll be a lot of sides who've got a bit of European pedigree in terms of just experience in playing in these games regularly. Most yeah, more, more so than Villa. We haven't, you know, we haven't even been near Europe in, a, you know, in far too long. And, they, and even, you know, even the last time we were there, we went out very early. You know, we didn't even make the group phase, did we? I might add Rapid Vienna are on the list of teams. Just in there coming as well, to those. So I was, I was just about to say, speaking of revenge, the, third uh, time lucky. As well as Juventus being on the uh, the shopping list or the kill list, uh, also Ra- Rapid Vienna are very much on it. And if we do get seeded, I would imagine we'd play them because they would more than likely. I mean, they're one, two, they're four places below us in the unseeded list, so they'll probably more than likely be unseeded. If you got a group, you'd want them in it, I think, just for for the bants. <laughs> Rather yep. than just like West Ham had like three meaningless games, really they won them all in the group stages. I, I would rather have a bit of history, and uh, you know, as well, you, you want kind of one nice place to visit, a team with a bit of history, and then somebody who's probably your main rival in the group. Leading up to this, when it was like a few weeks out, I wasn't that bothered about uh, ending up in the conference. But as we, you know, as I said on the previous show, it does create a better narrative. It gives you that tangible reward. It gives you like you can talk about the season. Like we started off one point away from relegation Emery came in and took us into Europe it sounds so much better than and then Emery took us to eighth yeah so that's that's for the uh the flex but in terms of would we do better in the league next season if we weren't in it there is that argument and I think it's a valid argument and that's the one that I held but at the same time I was quite 50 50 about it and then as I said about Manchester City it's sport and you should be winning things. So this is actually, we're, we're entering an, a, a tournament that we can actually win. And you can't say that about the Premier League. You, it's an outside, real outside bet just for the UK, sorry, for the domestic cups as well. So from that point of view, then I've swung around completely for it. Yep. And it was one of the reasons I really, you know, as a kid, really got into supporting Villa big time was that European nights and learning about geography and where all these teams were and what, you know, it improves, you know, all your capitals of Europe once your football teams in Europe. So yes. that's a good thing. The latest generation of Villa fans will be better educated because of Villa's exploits. Yeah, my, my mum used <laughs> to say, I, I could navigate the world by football teams and Bond films. And it's a pretty foolproof method. Yeah. yeah, but I think as well, you know, for, for the, the supporters, you know, there's, a, there's a, basically a generation of fans who've never seen their team play European football. Yeah. Although it's not you know, Champions League, it's a thing of the prospect of people having a bit of an adventure and trips to look forward to, and the sort of the a, a bit of fun. You know, geez, the last what ten years at least, probably more, there hasn't been that much fun for Villa fans. This is to be enjoyed. Yeah, and you can't draw, you can't draw Man United away at Old Trafford in the third round. So <laughs> don't no, say that, no Phil. They'll find it. a way. <laughs> You're actually immune to that. That's that's incredible. I never thought that was possible in a cup, being a Villa fan. But, I mean, I'm not dismissing people who will say, oh, uh, you know, as, I, as I've said, it, it could impact us in terms of the league. And one thing, you know, look at Spurs and Chelsea, and I think, no, oh, they, haven't, they haven't got distractions. They can actually concentrate on the league. And that's because they're two teams we want to finish above again next season. So that's in the back of my mind. I'm not dismissing this, uh, anybody who says, yeah, this might be, biters in the ass I mean there is an argument that I, I literally have come up with it's a conspiracy theory it's to it's it's to keep the status quo because teams that are like threatening to do something and they finish you know sixth seventh fifth in their whatever their leagues are and they get put into the Europa conference the idea is to keep those 
teams drained the next season so they don't kick on and uh, continue to improve in the league to uh, upset the uh, the normal clubs that get in the, the Champions League. Look at Sevilla and Villarreal in Spain are a great example of that in recent years. Yeah. Like Sevilla have always been in the Champions League but only because they've been winning cup. And like Roma, it's mm. like they finished sixth then they won the conference. So they got in the Europa League and they finished sixth again and you know they run us up in the Europa League and then this season they finished sixth again so they're kind of treading water yeah they just can't break the glass Fl- Florentina finished seventh to get into the conference league they're in the final against West Ham and uh, this season I think they're they're ninth and Sevilla Sevilla 11th you know getting obviously winning the, the Europa League and you know Villa when they win the European Cup they finish you know from winning it the season before they were outside the top four you know they were finishing sixth or seventh and sixth back in that in old currency was like you know way off Yeah, back in the day it was you were kind of top three really that was the only relevant teams yeah. in terms of the title because it was all about winning the title they played a lot less games didn't they back then in Europe Yeah, to get to the final because it was obviously knockout from the word go but, there's also, but there is that kind of mental focus I mean the Villa team was obviously focusing on that the European Cup yeah and of course, even if you remember ninety seven, ninety eight, where we got, you know, we played Atletico Madrid, our league form, especially under Little, absolutely fell off a cliff in that first yeah. half of the season. You know, that's why he got sacked ultimately, wasn't it? And Gregory came in, and but Gregory arrived for the quarter final. I think it was his first game, wasn't it? Or his second game. If you know your football, it impacts in different ways. It's some people, younger fans, poo pooing people, saying, "Oh, how can you not be up for Europe?" Blah blah blah. Well, we we know the reality, especially when your manager starts putting out B teams. Well, you're losing to help. Borgs in the first round and you start losing games you think well why did we even bother I mean, you know we've been bitten by this before we're not dumb so we're, we're interested to see how Villa A build a squad this summer you'll know pretty soon if we're going to take uh, this European competition as uh, something that's serious and I think they should I mean it'd be, it'd be interesting I think if Juventus gets let's say UEFA suspend them and say you can't play then I think a few teams will their tails will perk up won't they because they'll yeah. see it as a real opportunity to bag it but yeah it, it's not necessarily asserts that it will drain your league form I met Spurs were actually in the first one the inaugural season now they got it they're in the group stage but they didn't progress through the group stage because I think they were obviously messing around with their uh, first 11 but they qualified for the Champions League in that season so I don't know if that was just because they were just using it to to blood you know secondary players really which is it has a use for that I think because we (laughs) I mean let's not forget under Emery we haven't actually won a cup game yet no. <laughs> so that hasn't given him a good chance to, you know, see his, let's say, his secondary players in action. I mean, you know, of course, with the, with the quantity of subs, it allows you in the first half of the season to, especially if you can get into the group phase, it allows you to keep people like Archer, Erogbenum, yeah. young you know, Ramsey Jr. You can have them in the squad, you can rotate them, you can get guys a bit of game time, you can have a second choice goalie play some games. I would view it that I think with Emery, he would, you do the heavy lifting early in the group phase if you get to it, and then you, you allow yourself, kind of like teams do in the Champions League, you try and win your first four games and you allow yourself to coast the last two. But that's a privileged position to get to. But if you can do that, it allows you to fr- keep your squad fresh rather than it going down to the last games. Yeah, the idea with this is pretty much the same as the League Cup is you're hoping that 
your squad will get you to the latter stages and yeah. then you can start playing your main team. I Absolutely. think that's how we'll the business end. That's how we'll approach this. I mean, Emery he talks about winning cups and he you know, he wins cups in the past, but you know, you saw against Stevenage and United he's not putting out his best first team straight off the bat because the reality is you do want to rotate a bit at this stage and you expect your team I mean you expected that team to beat Stevenage yeah yeah. the problem is when it's not your well drilled first 11 then there is that and then there's also complacency that comes in as well with the expectation just to turn up and beat a team like Stevenage who are going to be playing at 110% and all in and we've, we've just we've never as a club had a particularly great culture of squad rotation you know if you think about the the O'Neill days where we were playing a lot of games you know we were getting to the business end of cups and playing in Europe and but he had his team he wanted to play he'd rotate earlier in the competition but he he didn't like rotating his squad too much Brian Little never did and well, you look at what Brighton Brighton have done to get in the, the last few weeks of the season. They did really well, didn't they? Finish where they did. They were rotating like crazy because they had to. I mean, you know, I wrote them off to a, a large extent in terms of against Villa and Spurs in a in a foot race, and you've got to play that many extra games, and you've got to play all the top four. Yeah, good luck with that. I just thought it was a bit too much for them. But what I didn't know that was they had the big bunch of talented teenagers and they all rotated in and they yeah. all turned up they weren't hiding yeah. away in the uh, the championship playoffs <laughs> that, I think that upset Emery actually I think he wanted to see Archer at Wembley just to run his gaze over him to see if he's a big time player mm. he mentioned it between the lines when he mentioned Archer in the last weeks of the season there was disappointment that Middlesbrough didn't go on because they obviously wanted to see uh, Archer further on, on that stage instead he had to make do with Henry Lansbury sitting on the bench I mean in terms of the, the cash prize while we're here about the uh, the conference league this season the winners get 5 million runners up 3 million so if they get knocked out in the playoff round they will get 750,000 so the idea is uh, you want to qualify to the group stage because you're guaranteed just under 3 million then you get half a million on top of that for every match won in the group stage you get 166,000 euros for a draw so instead of putting up our bloody season tickets and match tickets by 15% just all they have to do is qualify for the, the Europa Conference League stage and then they've got the same amount of money I'm interested to see at some point as and when we know what you know who we're playing etc if they go all in on the under the lights in Europe and all that crap and then try and absolutely hammer people for ticket prices for a premium match against some Norwegian seventh place team or something we have Norwegian listeners Chris do not disrespect them you can disrespect people listening from Gibraltar because they <laughs> Okay. They legitimately don't Gibraltar. have a good league, but uh, some, all right, well, you I have I mean, you know that Norway game. Norway harnessed and birthed the power of Haaland. So no, they did. Have, to be fair, you have to respect. I, am, them. I don't know disrespect. Actually, Rosenberg would probably turn us over over two legs. Well, there you go. Yeah. But I, yeah, in terms of you know, will Villa see this as right? These are the these are the premium games. Now we can really try and sting the fans on these ones. We've actually they're going to fleece us for every penny we've got. Wow, we're well, under we're Emery. Well. Emery is their golden goose. So be aware of that, people. It's like it's like politics. When the going is good and it's sunny outside, they always try to have elections when it's on a sunny day. And when it's the economy is good and all that kind of stuff, it's when they start bringing in pushing through things that perhaps aren't uh, as safe. And it's what's going to happen with Villafan. We've already seen it. First of all, they on the back of the, the glitz of Gerard, they put the season ticket 
prices are way up. That all kind of backfired, but they got uh, Emery in and, you know, he turned it all around on the pitch and that gave them a license to put them up again and people moan, but they don't really do anything about it, do they? So they get away with it and uh, you have to sleep with one eye open. Well, now you've got people trying to buy hospitality packages in the whole thing just to try and maybe get a season ticket and jump the queue. Yeah. The transfer thing, people kind of forget there's a, there's a cycle, isn't there? Where season stops, most people go on holiday. Like that night or the next day. Yeah, like everybody. And it's almost like, as I said, it's like a ceasefire, isn't it? There's, it doesn't go crazy in terms of transfers. I mean, I mean, the ones that Villa did last year were rare, weren't they? Where they had Coutinho done before the last day. They said they had the Carlos deal done and they had Kamara done in April. That's pretty yeah. rare. And then they yeah. announced it within a few days of the end of the season. Most teams do not do that. And you've also got a factor in that most contracts run to June the 30th. So like Tillemans, for example, is a player in that boat. So unless he's, you know, you'd expected him to have been pre-contracted up. So he's really shopping now for the best deal. Whether that's a road that Villa will walk down, I don't know. I think it's too obvious because it's literally, he's in the mercenary situation, isn't he? Where he's after the big buck. Especially after getting relegated, you know, his personal stock isn't as high as it was before. You know, he's a player I've always rated. And you'd you'd fancy Emery to sort of turn it round for him, but he's not, you know, maybe six months ago or a year ago, you'd have said, oh, he'll be, he's like a shoe-in to go to an Arsenal or a Liverpool or somewhere like that and kind of be in and around the squad maybe not the main man but he'll he'll be in there now you're looking at the big boys going are they going to touch him and our villa who knows can he get in villa's team probably can he get in villa's team well that's the thing isn't it with anyone you're bringing in now it's who do you drop especially in a midfield player well that's what i'm talking about it's not in your squad but he's going to be an expensive squad player because if he's coming on a free he's going to be getting tasty wages isn't he exactly now if you were like say you've got three positions you need to upgrade in the Villa first 11 at the moment he's he's not filling one of those three positions I don't think no, I think he's, he's not priority number one. No, he's not priority, but I think if you can get him on a free, you might do it. But I think the, the money spend is probably on a right, like a sort of a, a winger slash forward hybrid player, probably a right fullback. Yeah, yeah, no, let's stick to the let's stick to the case in hand. He's not displacing Kamara, he's not displacing Louise. No, McGinn's the captain at the moment, McGinn, playing the best football in years. So the, these are the, the, let's say they're the three main people that he would... Uh, yeah. Be and then you've got in Ramsey for. and Buendia, and he's a slightly more deeper line player, isn't he? So, and as you said, it will would they commit just because he's on a free to have those wages as a as a squad man? I, I, don't, I don't think it's he's not he's not in the big big needs. So, because if you start paying, regardless of him being a free agent, if you start paying him big bucks because you're saving money on the transfer fee, the fact is it's his wage. Other players get to know this. And if he's getting a bigger wage than, you know, X, Y, and Z, and they're not happy, then it starts that starts to shake up the, the harmony of the camp, yep. so to speak. So there's yep. loads of permutations. That, so at the moment, regardless of what the bookies say, I'm not too sure about I think you take him, but I, I, I agree. I think you've yeah. got more, far more pressing matters, and it's like, well... I, I, I expect us to try and be savvy because I just, we've said it before, you've said it loads of times, David, that I don't think sort of pound for pound, we're not going to compete with you know, Newcastle, Chelsea, these sorts of teams at the moment. You've got to be slightly cleverer. You've got to look at what Brighton have done. You've got to, you're going to have to find. The the word is we're going bold, but when, when, you, when we say compete, it's like, will the players come to us above those teams? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're an overseas player. What's the you know the difference between Newcastle and Villa? Both teams can sell whatever story and history mm-hmm. and size of club. Newcastle, bigger ground. 
but they're playing Champions League and they've got unlimited wealth and they'll play they'll pay whatever you want. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to beat them to the punch of anybody. So you've got to be a bit more savvy. Obviously, different teams have different needs, and I I don't know how we stack up against them head to head in terms of what their key needs are compared to ours. But I, I expect. La Liga players just because it's obvious that's why you know we've got those scouts in Emery's ex-cohorts and obviously the coaching staff's um, knowledge is all in Spain so I think that's where they'll shop and you know they'll have to shop at a premium but I think it'll be cheaper than bidding against the big gun yes and and I think in terms of they'll be looking at yeah, ideally, of course, you want Premier League experience, but English players, especially, come at a premium. And in terms of just bang for buck, you know, you look at what we've what we paid for someone like a Moreno at left back, and the English equivalent would probably be double that. But no, not a guarantee they're any better. Well, he was around same price as Target, wasn't? He? Yeah, about twelve million quid, um, twelve to fifteen million. Was you think of, for example, someone like what a Ben Chilwell would be if 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 he was on the open market from Chelsea, you'd pay a lot of money for him. And I think Moreno is probably a better player on the current form. You know, you think of what maybe other, other links we've had, you know, guys like Harvey Barnes or these sorts of players. What Madison, when he leaves Leicester, will go for. They're going to go for big money. Even guys like Ward Prowse at Southampton, you know, relegated players, but they're going to, they're still going to fetch good fees. Phil, are you still there? The, yeah. uh, the Asensio signing, uh, I, I never thought that was happening just no. because it doesn't stack up from the player's point of view. Most, you know, a lot of people, the lazy, well, I mean, it's all chasing clicks and, you know, stories. And then it's just football manager fanboys who are frothing at the mouth about it. But you're just thinking, there's a player who, what is he, 27 ish? Been playing Champions Real League Madrid. football for the last few yeah. years. He's playing Champions League football. What's he going to do? Go to somebody who hasn't heard of who's just finished seventh and are in the Europa Conference League when he's going to be at the peak of his game. Yes, he's you know he's had an injury. There's various viewpoints on how that's affected his game. But ultimately, from his point of view, he wants to cash in on his situation in terms of his wages, but also be at the same level as he is at now. Yeah, that would be remiss of Villa not to, you know, if he's out there and he's in the market, it would be remiss not to, you know, have a conversation, which is probably what happened. Yeah, and we probably, probably gave him a call and went, Nick, this is what we're doing here. Are you interested in this? I'll get back to you. And then, of course, it, it, word travels around. He goes, right, Villa are going to offer me this, beat that. That's just the way it works. And it's going to be like that, I think, for a lot of targets this but summer. But when it gets so public like that, then you know, yeah, because that would have been signed, sealed, and delivered. And the first thing you'd have heard about it is his pre-contract. It's all sorted out. And as soon as that got floated around, you're just thinking, well, from the player's point of view, even if Villa have made first contact, then it's been used to get the conversation started across the board with other clubs. But we shall see. It will. I, I think no. It mainly will be surprises. I think. Yeah, and a few sort of eyebrow raisers. I'd like to think you know a bit like when we signed Danny Ings, we'll have that signing this summer where everyone goes bloody hell, wow. But I don't. I don't expect them to make big splashes from the word go. I think it might. It might take a little while for the market to get going this summer because, of course, we don't have a don't have a summer tournament on the men's side. So I think the players will enjoy the break, obviously, because of the where the World Cup break in the middle of the season, etc. Yeah, June and, and there's things quiet. like whether like Kane, Harry Kane will go. I mean, some you know, it takes a big signing and that that shakes the market into action. So uh, we shall see. Anyway, we 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 are not one for wasting your time on our specials on people we might sign just because some hack in Spain needs to spin out a story so we'll keep it real and not waste anybody's time on that front so oh shit we haven't even done medium muppets have we
What's the latest medium Muppet activity, Phil? We got time quickly for this. Yes, just a quick one. It's um, everyone's favourite gilet wearer, Tim Sherwood, who did an interview with uh, Simon Jordan when he talks about how he sort of presented the the Villa squad to then owner Randy Lerner in training. So he was talking about this, this is after the all the transfers that were made when Villa went full money ball. Lerner, after watching them train, says, I'm really encouraged. Uh, Tim Sherwood says, well, as you would say this, this is basically his team, not mine. There's the first red flag. He asked me and I said it's a relegation battle before the ball was even kicked. Hmm, that's not the way I remember the start of that season going. I mean, Villa had a big campaign. Hashtag shit, say it like Sherwood. I don't remember relegation battle being... Shit like Sherwood? Yeah, I don't remember Wait, relegation what, so battle. what was it? It sounded like shit like Sherwood. Sorry, it's your accent. It was say it like Sherwood. I think it was, I think it was closer the first time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, probably. But no, I mean, behind the scenes, Sherwood, uh, when he saw Adoma Traore for the first time, he was, he was like, you know, who signed that? He was shocked by a couple of the players. I don't know if it was just because that was his natural reaction because, you know, they weren't his men. But there was yeah, a bit of a headless chicken vibe about uh, Traore for sure. Yeah, well, I would also go, he, he went on and people that were definitely his men were Mika Richards and Julian Lescott. Yeah. And I'd be looking at them going, who the fuck signed these two as well? So I don't think Tactics Tim's completely blameless here. Yeah. I mean, in fact, after two games of that season, he said, if we can get through this season unscathed, it's one hell of a young side and an exciting team for the future. Well, that was true for many of those players, but unfortunately none of them at Villa. But then again, when you look at what Forrest have done, it is possible if you've got a good manager. He just knitted a team of 30 randoms together and they survived. Villa just fell like a sack of shit because they had no proper manager or leader in charge. Yeah, I always thought it was a shame because Sherwood could have modelled himself as like the successor to Big Sam, come in six months get everybody sort of fired up get them safe and then just quit walk away with his bonus and yeah i mean well he was the tonic for what we needed that time after the uh the lack of charisma of lambert i mean he came in at the right time almost like perfectly but he wasn't you know for the long haul it was like yeah we might yeah in a sticky situation here uh finally any media nuggets before we leave you well, this is just a, a strange oddity that um, the website Planet Football has done. They've got their calculator out and they have used transfer marked for attendances to work out which Premier League clubs had the highest average percentage of the stadium being filled. Now, you'd think with a small stadium, it would be easy for Bournemouth to fill it, but they landed last place with only 91% on average. Villa were 13th with 97.7. And then and that's, ma- and that, and that's mainly because of the uh, the lack of Bournemouth fans <laughs> in the away end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is something that doesn't take into account. So you can't use it as a pure uh, metric to say, oh, this is the best team, but... No surprise that, uh, well, I was a bit surprised that West Ham were 99.9% on top of the table. Yeah. So that must have been a way, either they're cheap tickets where they're letting everybody in yeah, for free. Yeah, quite or cheap let, at West Ham. Yeah. Oh, and then St. James's Park at 99.6, uh, everybody knows it's Newcastle packing. Yeah, that's fair play uh, to Newcastle to, get, to have it that high. Uh, maybe Bournemouth need to let more away fans in to beef up their percentages. Yeah, well, Luton are there now. This is the problem. It's uh, but I, I mean, this in terms of my time supporting football, I've never seen anything like this of uh, consistency of full stadium. And it, it, we, I'm not even saying this is vintage. It's not vintage time for football. It's no necessarily any better than back in the day. But I think the main thing is is just so much marketing and social media and hype now and football manager, you know, YouTube, etc., that it creates this excitement and FOMO. And that's why people pay now. It's, you know, it's well marketed beyond anything before. And, you know, before you could have a Villa team going for the, the league title and getting 22,000 when they should be like 48,000. 
albeit, you know, times are a bit different there because there's a bit more football violence, etc. Right, uh, let's get out of here. Any final words? We will be uh, rattling out shows every week during this period. We'll do a bit of an underrated, overrated as well on the, the squad and how they performed rather than, uh, like, we don't do end-of-season awards and stuff. That's more end-of-year. That's where we have the fun with that. Any final words before we go? Not from me, really. Just enjoy the summer. Yeah. We don't need to worry about coefficients yet. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going on holiday. We're just we'll just sit around and wait to do these shows under (laughs) a parasol, under a parasol, while we pick bees out of our hair. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.